Well, then it got worse. And you don't think it could get worse, but it got worse. Zach Wilson trying to go out there and make things happen, trying to make up for the pick. Rolls out to his right. Avoids two defenders, but as he goes to juke the last defender, he like gets sniped. And he just like goes limp, falls to the ground, lays there for a bit. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in for this week's episode of the Not Your Average Sea Time Podcast. I'm your host Tabaria, flying solo today, but we got a fun one nonetheless. We're going to talk a little bit about New York Jets. It's been a lot happening with them in the last two weeks I've been away. We're going to get all caught up with that and talk about some of the implications, some of the things that we may or may not see happen next because of those results, but we'll talk about that in a second. And then I'm going to jump into the NFC West preview, give you two of the teams I did a little research on, talk about some of the storylines that we're obviously all looking out for. Let's jump right into it. Preseason week one is done now. Today was the last game. We had the Raiders taking on the Vikings. Kirk Cousins didn't play because he had COVID. Derek Carr sitting out, probably won't play at all this preseason, which is smart. No Devontae Adams, no Darren Waller. So we got to see a lot of those backups. But let's talk about the Jets' 24-21 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Crazy stat, the Jets still have never beat the Philadelphia Eagles in a regular season game. They can beat them in the preseason, it seems like. But when it comes to the regular season, the Jets just cannot get the job done. Coming into the game, we had a lot to look out for. We wanted to see how the rookies perform. Garrett Wilson, Michael Clemens. Uh, Brees Hall, Sauce Gardner, how the new free agent additions performed, not uh, LaMarcus Joyner, Jordan Whitehead, um, all of those guys, like all those guys we brought in. It was just a whirlwind from start to finish. We get out there, start watching the game, and right away I noticed that we did not have Carl Lawson out there. So I was waiting to see what happened with that, how come he didn't play. I'm guessing they just sat him out for, you know, a precaution. That turned out to be the case. Robert Sala confirmed that he told C.J. Mosley and Carl Lawson that they were not going to be playing that, in that first preseason game. He said they were pissed off, they were upset, but at the end of the day, I think that was the right move to do. You don't want to risk them getting hurt in a meaningless preseason game. It's a little bit of foreshadowing because another player we were all excited to see, excited to watch, was quarterback Zach Wilson. First drive, he goes out there. He makes a nice completion to Tyler Conklin, who's going to be one of his favorite targets. But then he sails one over the head of Garrett Wilson in the flat, who was wide open. We know that was a problem Zach Wilson had last year, and all reports in camp said that he had that fix. He was not doing that. That was not a problem. But he gets out there in the game, live bullets flying, and he mails one over the head. Well, then, you know, he... Drops back, tries to make a pass to Corey Davis, stared at him the whole time, and one of the Eagles linebackers just followed his eyes, jumped right in front of it, returned the pick for a little bit, and yeah, disaster first series for the Jets. Well, then it got worse, and you don't think it could get worse, but it got worse. Zach Wilson trying to go out there and make things happen, trying to make up for the pick, rolls out to his right. Avoids two defenders, but as he goes to juke the last defender, he like gets sniped and he just like goes limp, falls to the ground, 
lays there for a bit, gets up, goes back down. And nine times out of ten, when you see these kind of injuries and there's non-contact, players fall down, grab their knee, that means the ACL is gone. I'm driving Minnesota, watching the game. I wasn't driving, but somebody else was driving, and I'm watching the game while they're driving, and I'm sitting here like, no, please don't be an ACL. And, of course, it was a Philadelphia broadcast, so they didn't talk about it at all. They kept just talking about how good the Eagles looked, and that was whatever because my concern was about Zach Wilson and his knee where it looked like to be an ACL injury. After the game, it was a long game waiting to hear Sala talk about what happened, what he thought happened. Sala came out and said that everything looks to be stable within the knee, but he's been jinxed before, so he was going to wait for the MRI to confirm. MRI comes out, yep, ACL is intact, which is good, but he has a slight meniscus tear, and he has a bone bruise. The prognosis of that for this, just today, is two to four weeks he's going to be out. Jets really dodged a bullet with that one because I think most every Jets fan was holding their breath, getting ready for the possibility that the Jets were going to have to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo so we could not have this season be a waste. The Jets did a lot to help their young quarterback this season, and they really wanted to capitalize on that. They keep bringing in new offensive tackles. They drafted the best running back in the draft. What people thought was the best wide receiver in the draft, they brought in two great tight ends. Like, not great, but two pretty good tight ends. So now he actually has somebody to throw to over the middle. Tight ends who can actually catch. They, they're doing all of this to try to help his development. And you just get gut punched because the second drive of the first preseason game, you find now you're going to miss. He's going to be out for two to four weeks. That's just a total gut punch. There's, there's, I mean, it's, it's optimism because there's a chance he can still play week one. However, we, were, we, we heard everything, all of the good stuff during training camp about what he did against his own defense. Sometimes they won, but more times than not, he won. He kept stacking good days on top of each other. We had an opportunity to see what he did against another defense, what he can do against another defense in Philadelphia, and that was cut short. Then this week, they're going to have week-long practices going up against the Atlanta Falcons. We're not going to see Zach go out there and get to perform against that defense. Then we have the Giants to close out preseason, and they were going to do some joint practices. We get to see Zach Wilson you know, push the limits of what he can do a little bit in those practices. He can't do that anymore. Like This is hurting his development, not getting these reps, not getting his preseason playing time. I know people are saying, why did you even have him out there? Zach needed the reps. He needed the looks. That's the only way he's going to get better. And that's, yeah. We played with fire. We got burned. And we just got to move on. So next up is going to be Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Chris Strebler, USD alum. You know, he was the unsung hero of that preseason game there. He came out and said, like, look, hey, look, I didn't get – he didn't say it. They asked him because people noticed. The beat reporters noticed, like, hey, this guy didn't get any training camp team reps. No no, no, no reps in team drills. And yet he still went out there and threw for two touchdowns, one of them being the game winner, six of nine. <laughs> nice. It was only 62 yards, but two touchdowns. 
you know, average 10.3 yards to throw. He did pretty good. He did pretty good. And so I'm going to try to get Chris on the podcast for everybody. Hopefully it works out. Shot him a DM. If you guys can do the same, say, hey, come jump on this pod, I would appreciate it. So moving forward with the Jets, I mean, fingers crossed we get to see Zach Wilson versus the Ravens week one. The line moves slightly from the Ravens being six-point favorites to seven-point favorites. But Joe Flacco has, has had a great camp. From all reports in training camp, Joe Flacco has had a great camp. So if they roll Joe Flacco out there week one, no, nobody's going to be super excited about it. But we still have a decent chance to win. We're just going to have to see He's going to be getting the first team reps here against the Falcons in training camp and in the preseason games and against the Giants in the training camp joint practices in the game. So hopefully he makes the most of his reps. Hopefully the rest of those guys make the most of their reps and we're going to keep going, keep humming. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to start talking a little bit about the NFC West. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. And we're going to continue our storylines to watch in training camp or before the season preview here. We're going to discuss team by team. And we're going to start off with the San Francisco 49ers. And top of the list is Trey Lance season. Cal Shanahan said it's Trey's job, and they're going to look for a new landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo. We talked a little bit about how a lot of people were thinking Jimmy G could come over to the Jets with Zach Wilson being hurt if it was the whole season. It looks like it's only going to be for a month, maybe a little longer. So Jimmy G off the Jets. Well, a wish list there. But he could end up, well, I'm probably doing an episode about this. He could end up on the Giants, the Commanders, these teams that have good rosters, but just quarterbacks who can't seem to put it all together. So we're going to be looking out to see where Jimmy G lands. This comes as, you know, we're late in training camp, but he had shoulder surgery later in the year and was working through that. A number of people reported that it would probably be smart for the 49ers and him if they hold off until about Labor Day. As most people got their starting quarterbacks, but if they have somebody who goes down during the preseason or training camp or something crazy like that, then they could end up getting more for Jimmy Garoppolo if they just traded him today. Another storyline that kind of helped people unlock for most of the summer was Debo Samuel and if he was going to get traded or the 49ers going to get and give him a contract. Debo's back. They gave him a three-year contract extension for about $70 million. There's about a 600 k bonus in there if he runs for 600 yards and scores three or more touchdowns. So they're trying to say, hey, look, we appreciate the work you do for us as running backs. And they did something else. They actually drafted a running back so he wouldn't have to carry the load. But he came out in the interview and said, I like playing that wide back position, which he had to say. He got his contract. He was happy now. Speaking of wide receivers, I'm looking to see if Brandon and I, you can take the next step at wide receiver. Him and the linebacker Fred Warner were throwing fists in camp earlier this year because Warner said he likes to poke and prod Brandon Ayuk because he knows that he can take his game to a different level. He sees some special ability in him, and he knows that with just a little poking and prodding, he can push that out and he can be great. Standing on the offensive side of the ball here, how does George Kittle take the next step? You know, He's already tight end one for me. 
But for a lot of people, he's tied in two after Kelsey, maybe even tied in three after Darren Waller. But how does his relationship with Trey Lance transform what he's been able to do so far? Does it make it better? Does it make it worse? That's just, you know, he had a nice catch in training camp today from what I saw on Twitter. So that's something I'm looking out for. And then how does this offensive line fare after losing key pieces at center with Alex Mack retiring and left guard Lakin Thomason coming over to the Jets? It sounds like they got some new guys in there who are rookies who are really holding it down. So they might be okay. It doesn't sound like that Trey Lance has been under siege at all going against that vaunted 49ers defensive line. Speaking of that defensive line, Nick Bosa's coming off a 15-and-a-half sack season, and he's looking for a new contract. Last year was his first year coming off the ACL tear. So what is he going to do? I'm, I'm going to be looking for what is he going to do? How is he going to perform with a full offseason where he's healthy and doesn't have the rehab? He can just go out there and just be a menace because that's what he is. And then there's not much room or reason or rhyme or reason for the 49ers to be back this year because they don't own their own first-round pick as they traded it to Miami to move up to get Trey Lance. Their first pick would be a second-round pick, so they're kind of pushing all their chips to the table here. They don't really have much ammo to get better, so they have to do a lot of in-house development and making sure the guys they have on the roster can fulfill their needs to get them back to the Super Bowl. We'll see how this all shakes out. But in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about those Seattle Seahawks. All right, we're back. So Seattle Seahawks is up next on deck. Who's going to be the starter when the season starts here? We got Geno Smith, who's had his best camp so far as a pro, I think. However, Drew Locke is sitting there waiting in the rings. And during the Seattle Seahawks scrimmage they had against each other in Lumen Field, I think it's called, they said that Drew Locke looked like the better quarterback. Now, they just played against the Pittsburgh Steelers in their preseason game, and I got to be honest with you, Geno Smith looked good. One thing I'm starting to worry about here is that all of these quarterbacks are looking good. Like Baker Mayfield looked good. Sam Darnold looked decent. Geno Smith looked good. Drew Locke performed well. Mitch Trubisky looked like a Super Bowl contender after reports came out that he was struggling in camp. So it's their first preseason game. It's a lot of vanilla coverages. Just playing zone defense. Nothing really complex. And all these guys are looking good. So at some point, they're going to have to try to separate who's actually good, and who's just a preseason superstar. And that's what they'll do in order to figure out who's going to be the quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, how does this offense look without Russell Wilson? You know, the Seahawks never let Russ cook until they were behind. And when they did that, it, always, it didn't always turn out five-star like they thought it would be. So how does Geno and Drew Locke perform when it's their time to cook? You know, is this offense going to look any different? Are they going to rely on the running backs exclusively? They just paid DK Metcalf, you know, three years, $70 million extension. So are they going to try to get that money worth from him and Tyler Lockett and Gerald Everett, I think, is their tight end? Like, how are they going to make sure that the weapons they invested in can actually perform when they need to perform? Are they still going to rely on their running game, run the ball, play good defense formula that they did with Russell Wilson, which made him leave and go to Denver? Or are they going to make sure that, you know, we paid these guys a lot of money. Geno can kind of throw it. We traded for Drew Locke. He can kind of throw it. Let's just let these guys cook. Let's let these guys be quarterbacks in this passing league that we're in. 
you know, this is also a defense that lost Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright. The offense lost Chris Carson. So a lot of those stalwarts that's been on the Seattle Seahawks, they're not there anymore. And then you got to ask, so because of all these familiar faces that walk, they're not resigning these guys. They're not giving them the long-term money. Are they playing for right now, or are they playing for their future? Because if they're bad this year, they get a chance to wipe the slate clean at quarterback and take either Bryce Young from Alabama or C.J. Stroud from Ohio State next year. And because they traded Russell Wilson to Denver, they have Denver's first-round pick, their own first-round pick, I think two second-round picks. So they have the ammunition to go up there and take one of those top-flight quarterbacks here if Geno Smith and Drew Locke seem to struggle. And lastly, what I'm going to be looking for here during the preseason, and so far I think they've been doing pretty good, is how is their draft class this year going to perform? They quietly had one of the better draft classes. So just looking at the list here, they took Charles Cross first round. Some thought he was the best pass blocking offensive tackle this year. Second round, they took Boye Mafe, who's one of my favorite pass rushers this last year, uh, came out of Minnesota. Right after him, they took Kenneth Walker, running back from Michigan. Some people thought it was, he was the best running back in the draft, but he's a stud runner. Then they took Abe Lucas, offensive tackle from Washington. You know, he's projected to be a starter on the offensive line, that right tackle. They played in that preseason game, they both held up pretty good. So that's a great sign if you're looking for some protection around your quarterbacks, Geno Smith and Drew Locke, so you can actually let them have time to make the passes down the field or find the right read, not be rushed, throw interceptions, get sacked, the whole nine yards. But then in the fourth round, they took Kobe Bryant, cornerback from Cincinnati. He held up well last year when teams avoided Sauce Garden in the past game in Cincinnati. I think the only question that everybody had for him is, where does he play considering he's only like 5'9"? That was the concern at the Senior Bowl, there was also some concern about his arm length. His arm's not long enough for something crazy like that for a corner, or it's like some of the lowest measured ever at the combine. So, but he's he's a stud. He can play. But he was targeted all the time because teams was awarding Sloss Garden at Cincinnati, and he played well enough that he was in consideration to be like a second or third rounder. Some honorable mentions here. In the fifth round, they took Tariq Wooden. He's a cornerback from the University of Texas at San Antonio. He's a developmental quarterback who may be a star in two or three years. He just needs some time and some reps. I think he was a converted wide receiver. He's big, tall, lengthy. He's got ball skills because he used to be a wide receiver. But they moved him at corner. He performed well enough to get drafted. But he takes about, it'll be about two or three years before he can actually go out there and be a starter for you consistently. And then in the seventh round, they took Bo Melton, wide receiver. He was able to separate very efficiently at Rutgers. I'm not sure why he fell to the seventh round, but with that draft class, if they're good, if the Seahawks Seahawks are going to be good in two or three years, this is going to be the foundation that's going to ensure that. They're going to hit on majority of these picks, if not all of these guys. And then, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they have two first-round picks next year after the Russell Wilson trade, two second-round picks, their own third-round pick, and their fourth-round pick. 
So the Seattle Seahawks have the capital to really turn this thing around in a short time frame. If they do that, though, they're going to have to either A, have one of these quarterbacks on the roster be good, and B, a combination of both of these, they're going to have to have this historic draft class actually hit. We're going to see in two or three years what happens with that. You know, the West is still a tough division, still probably the toughest division in the NFC with the Rams and the Cardinals and uh, Seahawks and then the 49ers. So it's just it's a tough division to win. But if they're going to win, it's going to be off the strength of this draft class. All right, everybody, before we close, just got one announcement to make here. So I made a Patreon for this podcast back in 2019. And if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way for people to show their support. And in exchange, they get additional content from me. And I figured I might as well start using that because I want to start writing more articles about the Jets and other teams and stuff like that, not just talking about it. So I would really appreciate it if you can go and show your support there. Uh, Subscribe, become a Patreon member. We're going to have articles coming at least twice a week. Now that the season's coming up here, maybe some exclusive episodes. I'm going to try to figure out a way to get some video involved in here. So the link is patreon.com backslash average tea time. Even though this is the not your average tea time podcast, I ran out of characters and I only put average tea time. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes. The articles are actually free. You don't have to subscribe or anything like that. You can just go there, read the articles, comment, let me know what you think. And I already have one up there for you. And it looks like it might have to change here pretty soon. I gave my uh, preseason final 53-man roster prediction before their first preseason game. And Zach Wilson got hurt. We signed Wayne Brown. Like, it's just going to change. But it was just my first stab at it before I saw anybody playing the preseason game. And it was like looking at all training camp reports, things like that. So check it out. I appreciate the support, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Average Tea Time Podcast. Tea time.